Here not too long ago, I shared with you about, you know, we want the presence of God in our services. But not only that, we want the presence of God with us when we're not here. And I talked about what we can do as a congregation that would facilitate God's presence. I mean, we know He's always with us. We understand that. But it's a matter of us becoming more aware of His presence. To use a natural example, you can have a light that's on a dimmer switch. You know what a dimmer switch is? And you turn it and the light, it doesn't shine very brightly. In fact, you can turn it so far down it looks like the light is turned off. Well, it's not turned off. It's just dimmed. And then if you you know turn that knob... Well, then the light brightens back up again. But the light's always on. Well, God's presence is always on. But there are things that we can do that will enhance His presence. And uh, it's really, you know, us becoming more aware of His presence. But however you want to term it, it's what we need to do. I shared with you about we may have, before the year is out, another, what we called many years ago, a worship revival, where we just came together every night of the week and we just worshiped. That was it. That's all we did. And it was really good when we did that. And I know that if if the Lord leads to do that again, it will be even greater than what it was before. Because we have matured in our worship beyond where we were years ago. And we know about praying in the Spirit, uh, both here as a congregation and then privately. And we've done that. We've spent uh, a lot of time with uh, you know, just, just here, just praying in the Spirit. And it makes a difference. God can't lie. So when He says things like, if you pray in tongues, this will happen. Well, then when we're praying in tongues, that is what is happening. And it doesn't matter what we feel. Let's be honest, there are times we can pray in tongues and we're done praying. We're like, eh, you know, what happened? I don't feel anything. Well, that's irrelevant. You know, we can't go by our feelings. If God says this happens when you do such and such, then it's happening. God says he inhabits our praises. So when we praise him, when we worship him, you know, he's there. Whether we feel it or not, he's there. Well, along with that, I also mentioned about just sitting in silence before God. And, uh, you know, there was actually, you know, a little bit of positive response to us having times of just being here and just sitting in silence. Now, I'll be the first to admit that when you do something like that, one of the things you have to fight is drowsiness. Because. Because when when, they're, when it's all quiet and you're sitting there, especially toward the end of the day, now the sleepies can want to pay a visit. So no sleepies, because I don't want to have to tap you on the shoulder and say you're snoring. <laughs> you know, please. But that brings up an interesting question, which is, can we find Something in Scripture which speaks about those times of silence. Is there anything in the Word? Because if there is, well, 
then it kind of lends credence to the fact that we should do it, whether we're here as a congregation or also at home by ourselves. Let's start in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is going to kind of lay a foundation for the rest of the verses that we're going to look at tonight. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, we know what's happened. Ezekiel, or I mean Ezekiel, Elijah has had this showdown with all these false prophets that were serving Jezebel. And the false prophets were all killed. You know, the fire of God fell and what have you. Well, Jezebel got word to Elijah, you know, I'm going to kill you by the end of the day. You know, so Elijah, all of a sudden, you know, he's chicken. And, <laughs> I mean, he takes off running. Well, he, um, let's pick it up here. In, well, what happened? An angel shows, he runs, he hides, and an angel shows up and, and fixes him dinner, you know. And uh, verse 8 of 1 Kings 19, And he, Elijah, arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So really, he ate one meal, and then he fasted the rest of the time as he was headed to Horeb. In verse 9 it says, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, Elijah had this showdown with the prophets of Baal. God moved incredibly, and now because of, of the word of one woman, he tucks tail and he runs, and he's hiding in a cave. And God speaks to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then Elijah, verse 10 says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I mean, he, he was pretty bold with all those prophets. I mean, what if all those prophets had turned on him? There was, you know, 400 of them. But he stood strong. And now, here he is. He says, I'm the only one left, and they seek my life to take it away. Well, in verse 11, God says... What, you know, in my imagination, I see God listening to him and he's like, okay, all right, how about this? Verse 11, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. In other words, step out of the cave here and uh, stand upon the mount of the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but... The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Isn't that what he just said a few minutes ago? 
as though God didn't hear me the first time? And how many times have we done that? Well, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Samaria, or over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Now, let's take a look at this. Elijah, obviously, he's feeling sorry for himself. And instead of God just really giving him the what for, God used this as an example, really, for all of us. It's almost like God said, I'm going to take advantage of this. Elijah, just would you please just step forward? And then some great things began to happen. Now, Elijah is wanting to hear from God. God says, what are you doing here? He says, well, you know, hey, everything has gone south. You know, we were doing great there for a minute, God. All the prophets of Baal, but now guess what? They are trying to take my life. And like God is saying, wait a minute. There's one, you know, blabbermouth lady who's trying to take your life. Nevertheless, Elijah wants to hear from God. And so, we see that there was a great and strong wind that rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now, it had to be a pretty strong wind. I mean, we're talking like a tornado unlike many, anything any of us have seen. Or a hurricane that nobody in Florida has ever seen. I mean, this had to be a really powerful wind. Extremely powerful. But the Lord was not in the wind. Well, then there was an earthquake. And who knows what that earthquake did. But there was an earthquake. Maybe it was a shaking. If you've ever experienced an earthquake, even a minor one, it's, it's intimidating. Because <clears throat> you're shaking and everything around you is shaking. And there's nothing you can do. You can't run and hide from the shake, okay? You know, like the song says, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. You you feel it. It's everything. Everything is shaking. You can't run and hide. Well, regardless of whether or not it was a strong earthquake or a mild earthquake, the bottom line is there was an earthquake. Then there is a fire. A fire. Well, remember Book of Acts. Cloven tongues like as of fire. And... In other places, we see the glory of the Lord, and sometimes fire is, you know, used to represent. What I'm getting at is this. Elijah wanted to hear from God. The problem was, God was not in the spectacular. But when there was a still, small voice, that is when Elijah heard God, and God gave him all these instructions that we see. Now that phrase, that, that still small voice, almost like a, like a whisper. The only way Elijah could have heard that is if he had hushed up and, you know, just sit down and listen. Because if he had been running his mouth, oh God, they're trying to kill me, trying to kill, if he had been the one doing all the talking, he would have drowned out the still small voice. 
God wants us to understand that He still speaks with a still, small voice. And there are times when we need to be like Elijah, figuratively speaking, just sit down in a cave and wait for the voice. Just wait. And then God begins to speak, and we begin to get these instructions from Him. We begin to understand His will and what He wants us to do. Look in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and in Psalm 46, look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, he's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to the earth. Who's he talking to? You, me, the individual. He says, be still and know that I am God. That word, be still, that phrase, be still, it comes from the Hebrew word, refe. It means relax, abate, cease, forsake, as in stop what you were doing, abandon, let alone. In other words, sit down, stop what you're doing, just wait. Just don't do anything. Just sit. Be still. And know that I am God. What that means is, as we are doing the be still part, it enables him to reveal himself to us in a way that otherwise he cannot. Well, God can reveal himself, and I know he can. I know God can do all kinds of things. But there is a way that he reveals himself to us that comes with the be still. If there weren't, he wouldn't have said this. So he says, be still and know. To me, as I'm reading this, I look at it, this right here is a key to having confidence in God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Sit down and shh and know that I am God. Look in Isaiah 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Just look at one verse, all the way at the end of the chapter. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. How many of us have wished that was us? How many of us have gone through, I mean, just stuff is happening in life. And it's like, you know what? I wish that would happen to me. I wish that I could have that strength, you know, renewed, the youth, the eagle, I mean, all that. That's what I want. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could be, you could be a, a kid in high school and feel like this. You could be a kid in junior high school and feel like this. How do we do it? Look at this. But they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait upon, it comes from the Hebrew word kawah, and it means wait for, tarry. In other words, Sit down and just wait. Just sit down and tarry for the Lord. Don't do anything. Just sit there and wait. Look over in Habakkuk. It's toward the end of the uh, Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2. Now look at this. I mean, if you want to see something direct as far as this, you know, the silence... 
before God? Look at this. Verse 20 of Habakkuk chapter 2. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. That word silence, it comes from the Hebrew word hasah. And it means exactly what it says. Hush. Be quiet. Silence the tongue. And it, the image is a serious request or order as from a king to keep quiet. So this is the word of God. And he says the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Alright, you know what? If the rest of the earth doesn't want to keep silence before him, guess what? That's still a directive to me. So he could say this. The Lord is in His holy temple. Now, in the New Testament, we see a revelation that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, the habitation of God. So God is in us. Therefore, we could say, the Lord is in you, His holy temple. Keep silence before Him. Keep silence. Have a time of quietness before Him. Now look. In Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah is like the the very next book. Zephaniah chapter 1 in verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. Now look at this. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. Hold your peace. That phrase, hold thy peace, it's the same word, same Hebrew word that was in Habakkuk, keep silence. Again, hush. Be quiet. Silence the tongue. Silence the tongue. Look in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 2. And in Zechariah chapter 2, look at verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for He is raised up out of His holy habitation. Be silent. Now, this phrase, be silent, it's the same as keep silence in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. Same Hebrew word. Again, hush, be quiet, silence the tongue. So, We're seeing a pattern here in the Old Testament of God giving an instruction. There are times to simply sit in my presence and silence your tongue. Now look over in Revelation chapter 8. In Revelation chapter 8, look here in verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now I find that interesting. Because the image that we see in the earlier uh, part of the book of Revelation, and then really in other places in the book, gives the impression that what we would say, 24-7, praise and worship. 24-7, praise, but then all of a sudden we see this. There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. That word silence, it uh, comes from the Greek word sige, 
And it means to keep silence. <laughs> In other words, silence. Now, can you imagine in heaven, all these angels, all the saints, all these, you know, and it talks about these creatures and all, you know, just holy, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, silence for the space of about a half an hour. I don't know what that would be like. I mean, I know like what it's been like here times we've been worshiping and then, you know, a period of silence. But in heaven, oh my goodness. Nevertheless, what we see beyond 1 Kings 19 about the still small voice and Elijah, there are six specific passages which identify total silence before God. Total silence in His presence. Now, I don't know exactly everything that happened in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. But I do know this. If we go back and we study all of these passages, the impression we get, or that which is absolutely just clearly written, God did something in the silence. God moved some way, somehow. To me, I, well, I personally, and I speak this, you know, from my own experience. I think one of the hardest things to do is to sit and do nothing. Just, yeah, but we're supposed to be praying. No. In these verses that we've read here tonight, silence. Silence the tongue. Well, yeah, but, I mean, we're supposed to, like, worship God. Yes, we are. But, there is a time for silence before God, which will enable us to hear the still, small voice. I'm firmly convinced, based on what I see in Scripture, that one of the reasons a lot of Christians don't hear God is because they don't, they don't understand the be silent before Him. And how many times, I know I've done this, it's like, okay, I'm going to be silent before God. So, I sit there. And I silence the tongue. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. And oh boy, all of a sudden the clock slows down. Tick. Tick. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> Will you please hurry? And I start feeling like I'm wasting my time. How can I just sit here? How is this pleasing unto God? I'm supposed to be praying. I'm supposed to be confessing. I'm supposed to be... And yet, here are all these passages. Keep silence before Him. Silence the tongue. Hush. Be quiet. Just sit. And don't wait for the fire. Don't wait for the earthquake. Don't wait for the windstorm. Wait for the still, small voice. All too often in the body of Christ, it's almost like we have been trained to look for the spectacular and then associate God moving through the spectacular. And if there's no spectacular, then God didn't move. And yet, we see that God moved with Elijah by that still, small voice. And Elijah had to be quiet to hear it. Had to. 
Because that phrase, still small, it's the image is kind of like a whisper. Well, the same thing is true for us. All too often we fill our lives with a lot of clamor, and I'm getting ready to say something that I hope nobody gets offended by, but sometimes our prayer and, I, and our worship is the clamor that keeps us from hearing God. Now that sounds like I'm being critical of prayer and worship, and I'm not. But what I'm saying is, if God says, there is a time to be silent before me, then you know what? There's a reason for it. And that reason could be that He wants to speak to us, but He wants us just to be there. Just sit and do nothing. And wait for me. You say, okay, if I do that, what happens if I don't hear the still small voice? Well, then it means God chose not to speak to you. Or maybe you didn't hear it. I mean, you didn't pick up on it. But let's just say that He doesn't speak to you. And there you are, you're sitting for however long, not doing a thing, not speaking, not you're definitely not watching TV. <laughs> yeah, but I was silent. No, it doesn't count. No, no, nothing. <laughs> okay, you're, it's just you and Him, alright? And really, you know, if you feel like you have to turn out the lights, do that. But, just, just you, being quiet. And let's say that He doesn't say anything. Does that mean that you wasted your time? No. Because God works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. So therefore, if we see these, well, we have seen them. These, these passages in here about keeping silence before Him, and we do that, and we just sit, just sit. He honors His Word, therefore He honors our honoring of His Word. Which means, He's doing something in us, even if we don't feel it. Even if we don't hear it. He is doing something because it's almost like we're saying, okay God, you know, I see an example of it here in your word. And so therefore, I'm going to be part of the earth that keeps silence before you. I'm going to silence my tongue, and I'm just going to sit here and wait on you. And even if you don't feel anything, something is happening. God is doing something in you. Now tonight, we're going to put this into practice. And we're going to take a time of quietness. No music is going to be playing in the background. We're just going to sit here and be quiet. Now for those of you watching, you're not going to see anything happening up here because I'm going to step off the platform for a bit. And for those of you who are listening to the audio of this sermon, you can pause the audio because what I'll be doing to the audio portion is editing out all the silence so that the next thing you hear, after I say, okay, we're going to be silent now, the next thing you hear is going to be what happens after the silent time. So all of you in here, Whatever it is you brought with you to write with, get it ready. If you brought your laptop, get it ready. However it is you want to do this. And be prepared. But don't feel as though uh, you're less of a Christian if God doesn't say anything to you. Have you ever been with a friend 
And the two of you just sit in the same room. And you don't say anything. Especially if you're driving. And the radio's not playing. You're just in the car together, driving. There's just something about being with that person. Okay, we're going to be with our Father tonight. We're going to be with our Savior tonight. So, you wonder, well, how long are we going to do this? Well, I really don't know. Uh, but trust me, it's not going to be extremely lengthy because I doubt if any of us are used to this. This is going to be a training session in preparation for more silence before the Lord. So, at this time, commence the being quiet. That was a little over, almost, well, it was over 20 minutes, I know. Um, closer maybe to 25, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but it was actually refreshing for me. You know, there in Revelation, where it talked about that for the space of about a half an hour, there was silence. I'm not going to make a doctrine out of this. But I just wonder if God was dropping a hint that 30 minutes of silence before Him is a good thing. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. It wouldn't hurt. Will we do this again in the future? Yes, we will. Because what we've seen in God's Word tonight, this is something that He has instructed to be done. And so we will do it. And as we go on in the future and we learn more and more about, um, well, what God wants, you know, we'll do what we can to implement it because we truly want to be in a place where He can use us to the max. And I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. And every one of you, you received from the Lord. I don't know what, but you did receive from the Lord. And thankfully... Um, None of you fell asleep and started snoring. Or I guess maybe you could call it sleeping in tongues. <laughs> Thank you for not doing that. Anyway, uh, go ahead and stand.